0: Welcome, church. God bless you for being here this morning, not only in, the, in this sanctuary, but online as well. Buenos dias, mis hermanos y hermanas. Bienvenidos a la Iglesia de Cristo en Antioquia. Welcome to the family of God here at Antioch. Uh, and thank you, Gabe, for the reading of the word. And JP, where's JP? I had no idea that you were talented beyond youth work. You'll be in the pulpit next week. We can work that out too. But thank you for the, for the song service, brother. And Jeff, for the communion. You know, it's a team effort. Every time we congregate to worship, we have a handful of God's people who God has called to help lead us in worship. You know, we are the actors, all of us. We are, we are uh, praising God, who is the audience, if you will. If this were a, if this were a theatrical performance... Don't ever think that the one up here is an actor or that somehow God is a director directing this heavenly worship and that somehow you're the audience. All of that is wrong. You, we are the actors. If there are any directors, it's people like JP who are leading the singing, helping us. Well, let me see if... This is really an aside. If we're the actors and those who kind of lead us, help direct us, who would the audience be? Yeah, it's God. It's always God. So anyway, God bless you for being here this morning. Um, I have a baseball up here because I'm going to use an illustration. True. True of baseball, but you can fill in the blank, whether it's soccer, European, Latin American football, or whether it's baseball, or basketball, or anything that you were involved with as a child, and I'm really making reference now to children. I was a mediocre baseball player. Actually, I was a mediocre athlete. In every Arena. And the reason probably is because I like them all, you know, especially the big three when I was growing up baseball, basketball, and football. So as the seasons changed, you know, that's when you'd get involved. I'm talking about age six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, but my favorite clearly was baseball. Always has been my favorite. Softball today, maybe, but baseball when I was a child. And I got better because I was tired of being chosen last. I can tell you that as an eight-year-old boy, I would take my hand-me-down glove and this ball that (laughs) were really beat up, and I'd stuff that baseball inside the glove, and then on the bat, I had a little wooden bat, I'd put that glove on the bat, and I would walk around knocking on strangers' doors to find out if anybody wanted to play baseball. All through the community, there was one park that we had when I was growing up. There was not even a backstop. It was just an open field, kind of out in the country, open field. And I loved it, especially in the summertime when I was out of school, and I had three full months. Back then, you really had all of June, all of July, and all of August for your summer vacation. And every day except Sunday morning, every day I could take that ball and glove and bat, knock on doors, and field the team. And they're normally the same boys, maybe 10 or 15 of us. And the first thing that we would do, just automatically is the best two players, whoever they were, they were always the same guy. Richard Painter was one, I forgot the other. Richard was my dear friend, right? But uh, anyway, always two players. Uh, uh, You know, the two best players would be the captains, and they would choose. They would say, I choose Dave first, or I choose so-and-so, and and it would go. And you'd be waiting and waiting and waiting at age when I was seven or eight. And I would just say, oh, come on, choose me, choose me, choose me. And then finally, I'd be chosen. I never forgot that, ever. There was only two or three times I was chosen first at that age. That's because Richard Painter, who I taught to play the guitar when he was about 12, and I played a little bit, he was a great ball player, And he would say, I choose Mike first. Man, I'd beam. I'd take my glove, and I would pump what little chest I had out, and I would just walk up, and I'd stand right behind Richard. Well, I'm telling you, church, oh, by the way, it did change later. Uh, I got tired of being chosen last, I began to really work on the sport, became okay with it. Before long, at 12 and 13, I was the one choosing teams. And very, and this is sandlot now, not organized. We're talking sandlot. And very often, I knew, everyone knew who the worst player was. And I would say, I choose you first. The worst one. Why would I do that at age 12? Because I knew how it felt to be chosen last. Still do, by the way. No fun to be chosen last. Well, I'm here to remind us, church, that as we continue our journey through the New Testament, and we come to the 10th book, the book of Ephesians, which by the way is 75% Matthew to Ephesians 75% of all the words of the New Testament. There are about 180,000 words in the New Testament. You know, give or take a few, you know, whether Greek or or, or some other translation, but the fact is about 180,000. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians are 140,000 of them. There are only 40,000 words left in the next 17 books. So even though it may seem as though that we've been forever on the first 10 books of the New Testament, which we began about 18 months ago in our journey through the New Testament, the fact is we really have covered 75% of the Word of God in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. Ephesians tells you and me, guess what? God says, I choose you first. And the reason God can choose Stephen first and Keith first and wit first, and all of you is because He's not looking at skill level. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> he's not looking at talent. He's not looking at maturity in Christ. He's looking at nothing more than he loves you and you've said yes. And God says, I choose you first. I choose you first, David, or whether it be one of the shepherds. In God's eyes, there's no difference. They're children of his, their brothers in Christ. And as Ephesians unfolds, we'll see that. Um, do you remember this movie? This was, you know, I mean, this was back in 1991. It seems like it was yesterday. This was the movie Hook. It was actually a very good movie, I thought, um, kind of a playoff on Peter Pan. I've always enjoyed Peter Pan. I always enjoyed The Lost Boys and Never Never Land. Uh, just the whole storyline I thought was really cool. But this was. That's Dustin Hoffman, who portrayed Captain Hook, and Robin Williams, who was portraying Peter Pan, and the little girl there, uh, that's uh, thats Maggie uh, in, the, in the movie, and she is playing the, the real live uh, daughter of the grown-up Peter Pan. If you haven't seen it, you'll have to look at it. I bring this up for a reason. Um, There was an occasion, and by the way, Hoffman played a great hook. There was an occasion when Dustin Hoffman, Captain Hook, was was talking to Maggie and Jack, Peter Pan's uh, two children, and just being very mean and ugly. He is, after all, Captain Hook. And he's mean to Peter, and he's mean to the boys who were there, the lost boys, and he was just, used; he was mean. So as she's being carried off, she says, you need a mother very very badly come on that was a great line unrest era, I'd have to go back to the 60s during all the Vietnam protests to have anything even close to what we are experiencing today in this great country of ours. Of course, our land's built on peaceful protests, so that is a given. But when it comes to looting and rioting and, the, and even the murders committed... But of all that's happening in a in a in a bad, evil, negative, a horrible way, the one thing and 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 forgive me for prioritizing evil, but the one thing that fathers Or a woman on the streets, as I have experienced and heard on TV uh, and through the media in the last several weeks and months. Ever. I was four years a combatant in the military, so that means the cross is not there, not a chaplain. Spent three years, five months, and 23 days overseas in two remote, very, very remote locations with a handful of GIs. to do our job. And I can tell you, not just airmen, mostly airmen, but soldiers, marines, and sailors that they're thrown in together. I never heard such vulgarity in 1969 to 72 that that I've heard on TV just on the common person on the streets. Put the cross on and people say, oh, here's the chaplain, zip it up, you know. So that I understand. But I'm talking about back when I was a teenager. We live in such a vulgar period. And Ephesians connects. I'm going to make the connection here. I've got to do it really fast. What I was thinking of is I want to get a megahorn, and I want to walk the streets and I want to be in the midst of it, not peacefully. I'm just talking about when I see such things and I want to say, you need a mother very, very badly. Or in the words of the Lord's text, You need God very, very badly. You need God very, very badly. We all need God, but you need God very, very badly. The book of Ephesians describes that feeling. It describes being chosen last, and God choosing you first, and the feelings of you know, I can't do anything right. I'm not very good at what I do, and the other feeling of just God, we need you so desperately. Um, the book of Ephesians. Let's read the first three verses. In fact, let's just read it together. I need to get you involved in this. So, so just can you read it? I know it's a fairly small font. If you can't, just just through the mask. You know, just. Are you with me? Here we go. Let's read it together. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It is an absolutely beautiful text. Let me give you a quick background of Ephesians. Then we're going to look at the outline. I'm going to share one point, and then the sermon will be over. And then for the next two or three weeks, we're going to talk about Ephesians. We're going to unpack it from Ephesians chapter 1 all the way through chapter 6. Okay, the background is: Paul is in prison. We often find Paul in prison, he's in prison in Rome. And he writes four epistles, four letters from Rome. He writes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. All around A.D. 62, when Emperor Nero was in charge. By the way, Paul's going to be released. Well, in fact, I'll share it. Paul has with him Timothy and Titus. When he's released from prison, he drops off Titus in Crete. And then he takes Timothy to Ephesus, and he writes Titus while he's in Ephesus. That's the letter we have, Titus. And he tells Titus, um, appoint elders in all of the churches that we've already established on our first journey, and also Barnabas on the second journey. So there, there, Titus is in... He takes with him Timothy, he goes to Ephesus. Ephesus is located in the western part of the country of Turkey today. I was practically there for about two years, but the western part of Turkey, Asia Minor in the Bible. While at Ephesus, he appoints Timothy to a leadership position. I believe one of the elders. That's why he says, let no one despise your youth. As an evangelist, there would be no problem with that. But as a pastor, a shepherd, an overseer, there was a problem with it. And Timothy must have been a young man. But Paul appointed him as, as Paul could, you know, given him the, the, um, you know, the power from, 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 from God. So anyway, Timothy was there at Ephesus. Paul goes to Macedonia across the Aegean Sea in what is now northern Greece. He goes to Macedonia, and he writes Timothy, 1 Timothy. Then he's re-arrested, arrested again. He goes back to Rome for a second imprisonment in Rome. And there toward the end of his life, when Nero was still, by the way, in power, Paul writes 2 Timothy, his last epistle. And that's when he says in 2 Timothy 4, the point of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord, our righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who loved his appearing." And soon after that, apparently, church history says that Paul was decapitated. He was executed by Nero. So, why would he write Ephesians? And why is the connection with the vulgar use against God today and letter to the Ephesians? To begin with, Ephesus was the epicenter of the goddess Diana. And there was all sorts of frivolity going on in Ephesus. Ephesus is the fifth was the fifth largest city in the Roman Empire. Rome, Alexandria, Antioch of Syria, Corinth, and Ephesus. We're talking about a large metropolitan city that was dominated by pagan worship. And so Paul is writing them. And as he writes, this is what he tells them. There are six words I want you to remember today. In fact, you can, you can just repeat it after me: blessings, behavior, learn, live, talk, walk. The first this is this book is neatly divided into two parts: chapters one through three, first part; four through six, second part. <clears throat> chapters one through three talk about the believer's blessings. God has blessed you in Christ. God has chosen you, Christ has redeemed you, and the Spirit has sealed you. We have blessings in Christ, chapters 4, 5, and 6. Therefore, behave accordingly. Get that megaphone out. You need God very, very badly. Blessings, behavior. Learn about the Word of God. Live the Word of God. Talk God, walk God. And so you've got two natural divisions. The first three chapters really talk about God choosing you, Jesus redeeming you, and the Spirit sealing you. Those are critical for us to understand before we live for Christ on the streets of Antioch or the streets of any city in the world live for Christ, we know that God chose us first. He chose you first, first, before the foundations of the world. Then Jesus Christ redeemed you, and the Spirit sealed you. Now, once we understand that, then we can live accordingly, and we can walk the walk. We somewhat disparage talking the talk. It's always in reference to the other walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Well, in fact, you've got to talk something. You've got to know how to live. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul reminds the Ephesian church, this is, is what you know in Christ. God has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Therefore... Live accordingly. Okay, so let's look at the text. <clears throat> God said, I choose you first. He chose us, this is verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, I know we don't really have the time, and even if I did, I wouldn't go into it with this in this sort of a setting, but this is often called the doctrine of election. Well, let me tell you, It cannot be fully explained. At least I can't explain it, but I can fully enjoy it. Now, some believe that the us would be the body of Christ the church, that before the foundation of the world, God knew that he would create man, That man would sin, that he would eventually be manifest in the flesh, God himself, and dwell among men, that the good news would be ushered in, and that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, would be our propitiation, our covering for sin, and therefore, Romans 11, 26, all of Israel, all of God's people will be saved. And I believe that, but I also also could easily believe that God chose Gina by name before the foundations of the world. You can do your own study, but I have no doubt in my mind, or as I read Scripture, that God has chosen me by name, by name. Captain God choosing his team. I choose you, Michael, first. But I don't play well. No, no. I choose you first. Have you seen me run? I choose you first. Do you follow much? I don't do this, that, or you fill in the blank. I choose you first. Do you want to be in my team or not? Yes or no? You say no, Okay yes, you're on my team. And when I put you on my team, you're a player. And as you grow with me, you know, you learn the skills. You know, that's the whole point of living for Christ. Am I a better, do I, do, do I behave better now than I did when I was 25? I can, not that, I, why? I've, I've had all these decades to improve my skills. And I've wanted to. Am I there yet? Am I in the big leagues? I don't know, but I believe tomorrow I'll be a, behave better than I do today. Okay. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14. But give thanks to God always, because God chose you from the beginning to be saved. Now, very quickly, and I know this could go on forever, and, I'll, and I'm going to do it very fast. Whenever I think of being chosen first, or just being chosen by God, I think of the communion, because I've always thought, when I read Matthew 26, these are very interesting motions. God, Jesus, took the bread. By the way, in the Greek, it means to choose. Same word. God chose the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. And he gave the bread. Likewise, the cup. Seven action scheme. God chose the cup, He blessed the cup, and He gave the cup. I believe that Scripture clearly teaches that God chose you, He blessed you, Ephesians 1, 3, He's allowed you to be broken by the world in order to give you whole back to the world. That's where the testimony is. The testimony is not in a broken vessel. The testimony is in a broken vessel that God healed. That's the testimony. That's what people on the street need to see. They need to see the love of God through you. And the only way you can do do that is to understand that God chose you, He's blessed you, and the world has broken you, sin, and God has healed you, and now He can give you. It's, it's, it's a concept that if you ever kind of really wrap yourself around it, then all the pressure is off you. And it simply is truth. God chose you first. He also adopted you. We've talked about adoption from Galatians 3:27 and 28. I can just let me remind you that in the ancient world, a father, in this case, a Roman father would never bestow his inheritance or the power of his name at birth to one of his children, ever. He could change his mind the moment the child was born. We think of adoption as having someone on the outside, not biologically our own, and we bring them into the family, and now they're one of ours. The word adoption in this text, in fact, throughout the New Testament, refers also to biological children because the word adoption refers to when the inheritance and when the power of the name is given. And that was always given at maturity. Paul understood that. The churches in Galatia, in Ephesus. By the way, this was a circular letter designed to be read in Ephesus and Laodicea um, and Colossae. Pergamum, Philadelphia, the seven churches of, of Revelation 2 and 3. This was not a letter that Paul wrote strictly for the Ephesian church. It was designed, it was written to be distributed to all of the churches. And Paul is telling them the same thing that he told the Galatian churches For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's the toga virilis, it's when we've been clothed Christ. Now, Paul's point here is clear. His point is, God doesn't wait for you to mature before he chooses you. The moment he chooses you, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female. There is neither slave or free. There is neither great ball player or someone who doesn't know, what's, you know, you know how to use a bat. There is no distinction whatsoever when God doesn't wait for your skills to improve. He doesn't wait for you to grow up and then all of a sudden, now you're worthy, I choose you. Not at all. It's completely contrary to the gospel of Christ. And Paul reminds them, he destined us in love, adoption, to be his sons through Jesus Christ. Generic sons and daughters. It's a very important point God doesn't wait for us to reach maturity before he saves us. And the moment he chooses and we say yes and he saves us, we are now all equal. Everyone, Captain God has said, you can be a shepherd or you can be one who just was born. What makes you a child of God is not your skill, is not your behavioral moments. What makes you a child of God is you're born into the family of God. You don't have to wait until you're 15, as the Roman boy did, to receive the toga virilis. You can get it the moment you're born. How do we know that? Because the moment we are born into God's family, the moment we receive Christ, the moment we're buried in Christ, the moment we arise to walk this brand new life, the moment that birth process takes place, we're all equal. And you know what? We remain equal forever. God wants us. Now we're talking discipleship. I pray that you want to be a good disciple, learner. That you want to please your father. That you want not just to obey, but you want to obey out of love and gratitude. You chose me first. By the way, when Richard Painter chose me, he said, I choose first, Mike. Do you think I played any harder? <laughs> really? Absolutely. Why? Why? because I wanted to show my friend Richard you didn't make a mistake in me. When you understand this truth, you're better. You live better. You're not at all vulgar. You live better lives. God chose you. He adopted you. This is a beautiful one here. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, now get this, that's the first part, which he freely bestowed on us. Paul's talking to the Ephesian church, all the churches there in Asia Minor. God has not only chosen you, and you've obeyed, you're born again. Now you're already, you wear his name, you don't have to be any better and he's telling everybody about you. He takes pictures and puts it on Facebook and says, this is my new boy. This is my new girl. This is my son and daughter. Look at this. Or Instagram or whatever. The, you know, I don't know what's appropriate today, but he, he, he tells the world. He praises you. I love to hear the praises of God. I say, Lord, but I'm not worthy. All he sees is Christ. He says, what do you mean? You are, I I chose you, so now you are, you're worthy. Now, as we close, we're going to be looking at Philemon, God willing, later, no matter when that later is, we're going to eventually look at Philemon, unless Christ comes again. Um, There is a great text, in fact, I've got it here. Let me quickly give you the story of Philemon. May I do that? I know we're a little bit out of time here, at least in my mental clock. Philemon was a wealthy landowner in Colossae. Paul had converted Philemon to Christ on one of his missionary journeys. Philemon was a faithful Christian servant of God. And in the ancient world, there were slaves and servants. And Philemon was a wealthy man, so he had some. God changes that when he's talking about the body of Christ neither slave nor free. That's his whole point. Onesimus was a slave. Onesimus ran away from his master Philemon. Guess where he ends up? (laughs) In Rome. And guess by the providence of God who he meets. Onesimus to Christ. Now tell me, who is greater, Philemon or Onesimus in God's eyes? They're equals. They're brothers. They're exactly the same. And so Paul says in this letter, I could tell you, Philemon, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, that you'll do the right thing, but I want you to make your own choice. And so think of Onesimus' faith. He's to Philemon. He returns to Colossae with a letter from Paul. He's a runaway slave. He returns to his master, who's a faithful Christian, and he gives him this letter. And we're going to read just a few verses. I'll read it. We don't have to read it in unison. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be made, might not be by compulsion, but of your own free will. Perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, anything that to my account this is how God sees wit through Christ when I take my last breath and it will happen when I take my last breath the first inhalation I want on the other side is Jesus Christ mom and dad can come later Christ because without him I can't approach the father and this is exactly what our Lord Christ will say to God receive him as you would receive me let me tell you church God chose you he adopted you as his child and you have all the benefits. That's what he talks about later on when he'll say the Holy Spirit sealed you. And he has heaped praise on you. By the way, you want to hear the end of this story by church history? Here, I can do it in 10 seconds. Onesimus, according to church history, became a bishop, an elder in the church at Ephesus. And died around 1895. Think about that a slave to a, an owner. Paul brings the gospel to the owner. The owner's whole trajectory has changed. Onesimus runs away by God's directing the steps, ends up in Rome, receives Christ, goes back to Philemon and Colosse, and I think Philemon received him very much like an equal, the body of Christ. And soon after, Colossae wasn't far from Ephesus. Church history has it that Onesimus was a leading shepherd in the church of Christ at, Coloss- uh, at Ephesus. Beautiful. All right, church, remember, as we bring this to a close, and if I may invite our elders to walk up front, we're going to wrap this up right now. And you'll have the opportunity to come before our shepherds ordained by the Holy Spirit of God for this very purpose, to lead the flock and to exercise spiritual um, help and guidance to those of us who need our shepherds through Christ. If you have any prayer request, if you have any other needs that God has placed on your heart, bring them forth. Talk to Todd and the other gentlemen up here, our brothers in Christ. And let's all give God the glory now and forever. And all of His people said, Amen.